Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. We are continuing in, um, in the book of Acts. Uh, we're still in the second chapter, would you believe? We started at the beginning of the year. Josh said, we'll go through the book of Acts this year. At this rate, it's going to be the next century by the time we finish. Uh, but yet again, I want to connect with just one word this morning. And it is not Judas, it is Peter. The incredible visitation of Holy Spirit had just taken place in Jerusalem. And it seems to be that nobody outside of the room, because in those days there were a whole lot of rooms in the temple, and you could go and meet as groups within the temple complex. And so it seems to me that most people outside of the room had not seen what had happened. But they had heard lots. They had heard a whole lot of unusual sounds and things, like the roaring of a mighty wind, plus what I guess must have been a loud noise of some 120 people all speaking at once and in speaking in different languages. So it must have been rather a raucous babble of noise. And so they heard all that. And when they heard all that, they came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers because the believers were just mainly Galileans. And so how could they speak in all of these 15 different languages or so? And so they said they were completely amazed and said, how can this be? And now I won't go through all the list of places that they come from because Josh did that last week and if you want to see that. But they said, what does this mean? But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, oh, they're just drunk anyway. And, but that's a problem really because the pastor of Pentecost doesn't finish until 10 o'clock that morning. And this was 9 o'clock. They hadn't had a chance to get drunk. And so um, the Jews were very religious about keeping the rules of the, of the feasts and festivities that they went through. So no, they hadn't had a chance to get drunk. So then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. And Peter went on to preach a pretty amazing sermon. In fact, it was good enough to capture the hearts and minds of some 3,000 people that day who were converted and baptised. Not a bad sort of a day, I'm thinking. But rather than talking about the sermon that Peter preached, which is really worth unpacking sometime, uh, and what happened as a result of this, I want to back up a bit and focus on the amazing change that had gone on in the life of Peter demonstrated by this incredible moment in history as Peter boldly steps forward and is used by Holy Spirit to communicate so clearly as to what was going down and how people should best result. Yeah, this was Peter. 
He wasn't known for acting like this in the past. About the time that Jesus called Simon to be one of his disciples, Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. The first version of Rocky. (laughs) But um, he was anything but a rock. He was best known for his many impulsive acts, like things like running around doing crazy stuff and often missing the point uh, uh, about what Jesus was saying or doing, Uh, like jumping out of a boat into the water. He did this twice. (laughs) And one of them in the middle of a storm with no life jacket on. Now, he was an experienced fisherman, and you just don't do that unless the boat is sinking and you hope that there's a rescue, car, um, a rescue craft there. But Peter did that. Like giving Jesus advice about to stop talking about suffering and dying. Come on, Jesus, none of that stuff. You're scaring us. Like arguing about who is the most important among the disciples and asking Jesus for a seat in heaven beside Jesus. Goodness me like pulling a sword to save Jesus and missing the mark and cutting the guy's ear off when he was expecting a head to roll. Peter, who was impulsive, don't wash my feet. And then a few minutes later he's going, wash my feet and my head and my hands. He he seemed to lose his way even after the resurrection of Jesus and he went back fishing. Peter Jesus had named him the rock, but he had proved to be anything other than a rock and perhaps a bit bit more like a rolling stone. Ha, ha. Peter, he leaps first and then he thinks. Impulsive seems to be how he operated. Like telling Jesus he would always follow him no matter what. He would never deny him and then denying that he'd ever known this man called Jesus. Not once, but three times in the same evening. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied he ever knew him. And it wasn't like this denial was to some powerful person who could arrest Peter and, and, uh, and throw him into jail like the Roman uh, soldier or a, a temple guard. No, it was, it was just a simple, powerless servant girl. And before you accuse me of being sexist, sadly young females were the bottom of the pile in a Roman-dominated culture where many female babies were left outside to die because they were not wanted. Excavations of Roman cities and towns have revealed piles of baby bones. Babies that were abandoned, some male, mainly female, because their birth was inconvenient or the wrong gender. Now, the more I read about Peter, the more I um, saw some elements of his behaviour and character in me, especially the ability to jump in uninvited and mess things up. Peter must have been a colourful character, always wanting to help, but most often messing it up. But when we compare this Peter that we're talking about to the Peter who stood up on the day of Pentecost, wow, what a change. 
What a difference. So why? Why the difference? Is the answer that he was filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, it's true he was, but I believe there's much more to this than that. And we need to look at a couple of uh, events to shed some more light on this. One event that's recorded in the gospel, in all of the gospels, is about Peter's denial of Jesus. The other event is from John's gospel after Jesus had risen and appeared to the disciples. And as I read these two events, two words kept running, rolling around my head, stripping and filling, filling and stripping, stripping and filling. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's, a, it's important to remember that the disciples had been sent out by Jesus on a very special mission to heal the sick, drive out uh, demons, and proclaim the kingdom of God, as recorded in, in Luke 9.13. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And I wonder what impact this taste uh, of, of the mission was like for each one of the disciples. It was kind of like an introduction to things of things to come. Here were ordinary, everyday people having the touch and call of God and knew, now doing stuff that no one else was doing, working in ways and the power and strength of Holy Spirit, being about kingdom business, but using nothing like the methods and ways of the religious people of that day. What an experience. After the resurrection, Jesus suddenly appears among the disciples, and the first thing he says is, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not sure of the full implications of this, but clearly there's something very significant and special going on here. Because amazing things seem to happen when God breathes, especially on people. In Genesis 2-7, then the Lord formed the, the man from the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into man's, man's nostrils and the man became a living being. And millions of people are still doing that same breathing thing and have down, down through history. And again, in uh, Ezekiel 37, 9 and 10, um, Ezekiel had this vision of, of a valley full of dried, withered-up bones, dead people that had rotted away. And, and, and he saw this vision, and then God said to him, Speak and prophesy to the winds, um, and, and, and this is what God said to him. The prophet said, to, said out loud, Sovereign Lord, come and breathe from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies that they may live again. Yes? So, he, so I spoke the message as he commanded me. And, breathe, and breath came into their bodies. And they all came to life and stood up. A great army. What a vision. So not only do we have the disciples who've had the 
breath of God on them. They've been proclaiming the kingdom with signs and wonders and healings and deliverances. You can be sure that Peter was very much a part of this because he was in boots and all, wouldn't he? Into these um, wonderful, empowering and filling moments and experiences. Now let's have a look at another incident in and that is Peter's denial of Jesus in Matthew 26. Then Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly, stripping, removing some of the stuff that was getting in the way, that was creating roadblocks, to greater filling and flowing of Holy Spirit in Peter's life. This stripping is a process that is common to all of us, although it's not very often talked about. I guess that's because it's uncomfortable and we feel like maybe we've failed badly and so we're not very keen to talk about it. But stripping is very much a part of our journey with Holy Spirit. It happens often, and it has happened to many, many people down through the ages. David was anointed to be the next king of Israel when he was about 12 or 13 years old. But it took some 18 years or so of stripping and molding and filling before he was ready to be crowned king. Paul the Apostle, he spent some 12 or so years of stripping and filling before he was accepted as a fellow worker with the other apostles. So this is not an exception, but I believe it's very much a part of our journey with Holy Spirit. Back to Peter. Peter. He may have thought that the stripping was over after that experience of brokenness, after his denial that he knew Jesus, the night that Jesus was crucified. And Peter must have felt a huge sense of failure. And and if you think about this for a moment, he's this rabbi that you've given up your fishing business to follow, and you've, you've had the privilege of being involved in the mission of healings and deliverances and feeding 5,000 people on a boy's lunch and, and being on top of a mountain in the company of Jesus and Moses and Elijah and, and you've walked on water and so much more. But your last words about Jesus was to, know, to deny that you ever knew him. Not once, but three times on the same night. And what's more, Jesus looked at Peter across the courtroom with that, I know what you've just done, Peter. Did you hear the rooster crow? And then Jesus was dead. Oh, that would have been a shattering, so shattering to live with, I think. Which he did for three, I think, very dark days. No no wonder Peter sprinted off to the grave when he heard that Jesus was alive. Just just maybe he could find a moment to apologise. We don't know. But I wondered why he sprinted so fast. Was the stripping over? No. There was more to face. 
In chapter 21, after the resurrection of Jesus and after having met up with Jesus a few times, one night seven of the disciples went out fishing. Dawn was breaking and now they were fishing some <coughs> excuse me, 90 metres from the shore. And this person from the shoreline, because it's fairly hard in the breaking dawn to see who it is, uh, the, the, but the, they, the, this person from the shoreline yells out, have, as you always would, wouldn't you, have you caught anything? No, nothing was the reply. Throw the net on the right-hand side of the boat. Wow, 153 large fish, just like that. And in the middle of dragging in this catch, John says to Peter, it's the Lord. So Peter <laughs> jumps out of the boat and he makes his way to shore where he finds Jesus with a fire going and some fish cooking. Figure that out. After that all finished breakfast, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. To me, this is a very unusual and strangest a strange-ish conversation because in our culture it's more common for us to express our love for another person like I love you and usually we wait to hear that from a person sometimes we wait a long time don't we <laughs> but the do you love me is generally more of a in our culture more of an in your face kind of thing because if you love me, you will. Infinitum responses there. In um, John twenty-one seventeen, a third time Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's worth noting that Jesus, I think it's worth noting that Jesus used his old name here. Simon, son of John. He didn't say Peter. And I was thinking, well, I wonder why he did that. Well, I, I, I couldn't find an answer, but I'm guessing maybe it was to dig deeper into P Simon, who was called Peter. Uh, maybe... Peter needed the opportunity to three times confirm his love for Jesus after three times denying him. Maybe. Whatever. I do believe this was another step in the stripping and filling process in the life of Peter. And it reminds me that this is not just a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This process goes on and on. Stripping, filling, filling, stripping, stripping and filling and it needs to go on. How else can we be clean vessels fit for the master's use? How else can the roadblocks be removed so that Holy Spirit can flow freely through us? Job faced this. He had been so filled with God's blessings he was totally stripped. He lost everything. It all fell away. And sometime later, he was filled again in rather a huge scale. And as mentioned, uh, King David went through this, not only before he was king, 
But afterwards, and while he was being king, if you don't believe me, just read the book of Psalms and you'll see that process going on in the book of Psalms. And if you still want some more, read the whole book of Lamentations. Paul the Apostle, as we talked about, he went through that. And then more recently, since the time of the early church, St. John of the Cross, on the, on the six, who was a 16th century um, Carmelite friar, he talks about this in a book called The Dark Night of the Soul. And in more recent times, many have written about the dark night of the soul, which is another term used to describe this process of stripping and filling, like Mother Teresa and many other writers that have written about this. Now, in the book of Acts, not only do we see some truly amazing things, but we also see Holy Spirit continuing this process in people's lives. And I believe this is the reason that there is such a change in the character of Peter from when Jesus first called him, Simon, you're going to be Peter. And then on this day of Pentecost, I believe this process is as much the reason as anything as to why we find such a bold character standing up in front of thousands of people on the day of Pentecost and beginning in the leading of the church, early church in those days. Because Peter's greatest failures became his greatest change moments. And I do wonder what was going through the minds of the disciples and followers of Jesus on that day as Peter stood up. Oh boy, here we go again. I wonder. But it was truly amazing what people said. There's such a change. And it stayed with them. There was a real change. How he linked the Old Testament characters and prophecies to capture the minds of of, of the Jewish people and converts to Judaism that were there that day from all over that part of the world as the day of Pentecost took place. And the result, such a miracle. Many, many lives were changed. So what does this mean for you and me today? First, I think it means that there's no limit, absolutely no limit, to what Holy Spirit can do in us and through us. And half the problem is we limit that. It's in our head. But there is no limit to what he can do. Secondly, Holy Spirit did not destroy the character of Peter. He took what was there and he stripped and filled it. Uh, and he filled and stripped it to bring about the fuller vision of God's given character. And thirdly, we can take hope that our brokenness in the hands of Holy Spirit can be grounds for our biggest changes because Jesus uses broken and bent people to do his work. 
Holy Spirit wants us so much to let him work through us and keep on working. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you did in the life of this character, Peter. And thank you that it's all there in the scriptures, all his crazy things and all his goof-ups and all his, all the mess. But in the end, we can see that you changed him so much. Thank you. And we want to present our lives to you today afresh. Keep on doing what you need to do, Holy Spirit. Keep on doing it. Amen. Now we come to the part of the Sunday mornings that really can make a difference to each one of us, I think. Uh, as we seek to process and take away some, something from what we've been talking about and to find an application for each of us in our own lives. And normally what we're doing and what I want to ask you to do this morning is to split up in groups of three or four, probably no more than five, um, because otherwise it, it can take a bit too long, um, uh, and, and, um, uh, and start to talk and process about some of the things. I've got some questions here, but I'm excited about this part of, of the service that we, that we get into because it's a part that I've got no control over. That's a good thing. <laughs> but thank God, and I trust that Holy Spirit will be in control and help each one of us discover new things. Because if you can talk about something that, that we've talked about this morning, you'll remember it better when you leave. You know, I mean, most people walk out of church and five minutes later you go, and what was the sermon about this morning? Going, uh, well, yeah, well, uh, yeah, um, yeah, well. And, and that helps it sink in a bit and it makes it a little bit clearer because I might have totally confused this morning and one of your group will be able to straighten all that out with the help of Holy Spirit, I hope. So here's some, some questions that um, uh, could be. You don't have to stick to these. But here's some questions that I've been thinking about, and we'll leave these up on, on the screen for you. Uh, first of all, uh, what do you think about stripping and filling? And number two, have you seen this happen in other Peter people? Other Peters? <laughs> other people. Uh, third, can you share a time when this might have happened in your life? And maybe you're in the middle of one of these times. And if so, how can we help you? Okay, so would you please just uh, sort of mix up? If you want to stick with someone you know, that's fine. If you want to change and dump yourself in the middle of a group of people you don't even know, move the chairs around and, and, and face each other, and um, we'll leave these questions up there for you so you've got something to refer to. Okay, and then as you feel your group finishes, it'd be a good idea for, to pray for if that's appropriate. You don't have to pray for this. You can pray for anything. Um, then, um, then just feel free to go and get a coffee or, and uh, quietly move on. Thank you. God bless you.